Welcome to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and thank you so much for joining us today. We know that uh, there's so many other things going on, so many other things you could be listening to right now, but you have decided to listen to what God has in store for you on this podcast. So we just pray and ask that God would bless you in this sermon Thank you again for joining us. Don't forget, you are part of the Rock Creek Family Church family. Hello, everybody, and happy Wednesday to you. Here we are again. Can't believe that it's already Wednesday, already time again to do another Bible study here in the book of Revelation. And guess what? We are, we can see the end. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel. We are uh, fast approaching the last part of Revelation. Uh, it's an exciting time to read about Revelation. We're, we're um, past all of the, the really heavy, heavy things um, that are, are kind of sad if you think about it in one way, but glorious if you think about it in another way because God is in control. So, But we are now moving from just that heaviness into a different type of heaviness and that heaviness comes from the weight of the glory of God that we are going to witness as we unfold the last few chapters of the book of Revelation. So today, get your Bible, get your pen, get your notepad, get whatever it is you need to do. Maybe your, your Snuggie, your blanket, your dinner, whatever it is, get it, grab it. Let's get ready to go to Revelation chapter 18 as we discuss the fall of Babylon the Great, and great will be its fall. Uh, good to have everybody online watching. Good to see you through the camera. Good to be with you this evening. Uh, if you can, anytime you feel like it, come on out to the church on Wednesdays at 6.30 where you can see this live and we can go a little even deeper and even do a little bit of discussion with it. You will be blessed by doing that. But uh, having said that, let's jump in. Jump into this Bible study and let's also begin by prayer. All right? So here we go. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you and we give you glory and praise and honor for who you are. Father, we just ask that today you would reach out to our hearts and our minds and just speak peace over it because I know there is just always so much going on, going on in our busy everyday life, going on in the anxiety and the worry that we find, uh, that we can find very easily on a daily basis. Father, I just pray that you would speak peace over our heart and our mind today. Pray, God, that you would help us, Lord, to focus upon you. Use this word to show us your glory and your power and your victory over that final enemy. God, we thank you again. We pray for, for all of those that are sick, all of those not, not well, um, all of those with a broken heart or maybe um, just struggling in their faith or struggling in something in their life. We pray that you pick them up today and encourage them through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lift them up, quicken their mortal bodies, raise them up, Lord God, to know you better, uh, to see victory in their life and liberty. Set them free, God, from all of the burdens that they carry. Father, we thank you. We love you. We honor you. Give you praise in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you love him, say amen. Amen. I hear you. I hear you. Amen. All right, everybody. Revelation chapter 18. 
we are diving in uh, just to kind of recap and catch us up. Uh, we, John, we had just read about John receiving a vision, being caught up in the spirit and seeing a vision of the, the woman who turned out to be the, kind of the great harlot riding the beast, the scarlet beast, and um, how that represented the fact that, uh, that the world is now completely under the demonic power and the demonic world system called Babylon. And the Antichrist is not just a public figure anymore. He is quite literally possessed by Satan himself. He is, uh, in, in, Satan has embodied himself in this Antichrist figure. Um, he is uh, even to the point of taking advantage of the system that he has set up to make and declare himself as God and to sit upon the throne there in the temple that was originally created for God. Now he's taking it over, calling himself God. And uh, we remember that even though it looks really grim and, and gruesome in, in a sense for a season for, for the saints of God, for God and his people, um, now we're entering into another vision that goes along with that that is going to portray the end. This is not the end necessarily. This is not the end. Uh, this is not the Battle of Armageddon yet, but this is a prophecy, if you will, inside of a big prophetic book. It's a prophecy declaring that that even though it may look like the enemy is on his throne, God's throne is still higher and still greater, and he is going to draw this to an end very, very quickly, and this judgment will move in a very rapid pace. And that's actually really what we're going to dive into when we talk about Revelation chapter 18. So I hope you have enjoyed this, and let's enjoy another one this evening. Revelation chapter 18, starting at verse 1. After these things, the things I just described to you, after the vision that he saw of that and an angel declaring all of that, now another angel is going to declare some more, going to, going to add another layer onto that vision he has already seen. So after these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, having great authority. Um, this, this phrase great authority means not only spiritual muscle, if you will, but also the ability to apply force where it is needed. Uh, just as a, a, a certain person can be uh, a, have the authority to to um, make maybe well for instance like a police officer has the authority to apply force where it is needed or a, a judge has the authority to apply force where it's needed to make a decree and a declare that can forcefully move someone either to be set free or to be put into prison um, this angel has a has a great authority has a great ability given by the one with all of the authority. That's when Christ says, hey, I have all authority that is in him. Uh, so the one who has all authority has given this angel great authority, great ability to apply 
a, a force here that is going to be necessary. And the earth was illuminated with his glory. Uh, illuminated with his glory is really significant because remember what's going on in the earth right now. Uh, the, the bowls of God's wrath is, has just been poured out all except for the very last one. And that very last one um, is that going to be basically that battle of Armageddon. We will cover, we will get over there into that um, in just a little bit, not today, but in, in the very near future. Um, but remember back at uh, the fifth bowl where, where darkness is covering the face of the earth. Uh, the sun is is basically all but almost gone out. Almost, it's going to re going to release just enough to, to kind of keep the world going, but basically it's going to be blackened out, and clouds are going to cover the the earth. It is going to be a really dark scene. After already almost seven years of some really dark scenes. So there's been a lot of darkness happening for almost seven years now. So this is what a stark contrast, what, what, a, what a significant contrast that people are going to notice that God allowed it to be dark, even caused it to be dark so that when he shines his illuminating glory through this angel in this case, that it is going to be very noticeable. There's going to be everybody going to notice this, this great illumination of his glory. Uh, verse 2, And he cried mightily with a loud voice. That phrase is a lot. You've probably noticed that like I have. A loud voice. Um, God, even though, even though you can't necessarily see him now, Still, God knows how to speak in a way where he can get our attention. He uses the Holy Spirit in our life to speak to us in ways to, to gain attention, to position us, to receive him. Uh, in, in this case, he says it multiple times in Revelation, this is a loud physical happening that is going to draw everybody's attention. God's not going to be secretive about this. He's not going to be secretive about the fact that he's about to whoop some enemy. Some devil tail is about to be whipped. He's, he, uh, he's going to come after him pretty hard here in just a little bit. But here we go. So after this loud voice, Babylon crying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Um, this is just a, a fancy way of saying that, that that world system has met its end, okay? Because don't, don't forget, it's going to look like it's going to be really prosperous and really luxurious and, and really lascivious and really, really um, powerful. Um, this last and great empire is going to cover the whole world and it's going to be the, the greatest and most powerful empire, but only for a short, short season. And as great and as powerful as it thought it was, it still does not trump the, the, the authority 
and the power that God has. When it says the Babylon the Great is fallen, is fallen twice, um, to me that means a couple of things. And, and I may be reading more into this than, than most people do. That, that's okay. Uh, number one, the obvious, uh, uh, the obvious reason is that he is really trying to make sure that we understand it, this is fallen, and it's fallen big time, okay? Um, this is not just a little fall, this is, and great is its fall. Uh, it, it also goes deeper into a spiritual sense of saying that just like the fall in the garden, how man had, had fallen in the garden due to the sin that we uh, we allowed into 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 our world into our life by not doing what God said but not obeying his his direct commands uh by not trusting in his word and 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 really trusting that that he knows best and that he has everything that we need well, okay that that fall happened in the garden but um since Christ came we now don't have to fall the second time we now don't have to fall again. We have a choice to rise through the work of Christ and through the work of the Holy Spirit. We can rise from that fall, okay? But this, there's no rising for, for Babylon anymore. There's, it's going to fall, and it's going to fall hard, okay? There's going to be no rising up from this. God has rolled up his sleeves. He has said, enough is enough. And he is about to take complete authority and control over the enemy. This will be it. There's no rising from this. So that's another way of another sense of why he says it's fallen. It's fallen. Okay. It's fallen for good. It's fallen for real. Okay. Verse three, for all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Kind of ties back with Revelation chapter 17. Um, the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. Uh, that, that phrase, abundance of her luxury, literally means the strength of her excessiveness. That it's going to be very rich. The, the world's riches are going to be very evident in that world system, especially for those few, and what he says, kings especially, or those in, in governmental power, the, the, the Antichrist, those under him, those that are, are helping him reign, uh, the rich are going to get extremely richer. Um, uh, it, it's all of the world's monetary system, it's going to be in their hands, it's going to be at their control, so it is going to seem very, very rich at first at first and and rich in excessiveness um excessiveness that they're going to use not for the good of, of all of mankind but for their own glory um you know god sometimes he blesses us excessively abundantly in fact he calls us to live an abundant life but he calls us to do that and gives us an excessive blessings um, and and even an excessiveness in our spiritual life where he gives us spiritually abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. Um, but he does so not that we build our own little kingdoms, but that we use it to reach out to bless those around us. Use it to reach out to, 
to bless all of those who need blessing around us. And, and the enemy doesn't do it that way, but God does. And God has given us that, uh, that, that blessing, those blessings and that excessive blessing so that we can be a blessing to, to God's kingdom and to those that are around. This is, that's just a little side note. That, that was just a little freebie. Throw it in there for free, right? Okay, um, verse 4, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, lest you receive her plagues. Now, we've kind of already said, basically, that the time of mercy has drawn to an end. And this is not a specific time. This vision is not a specific time. This vision is basically God saying, this is it. This is, this is wrapping up. This is about to be the end. Um, this is him showing John prophetically what is just about to take place moments from there. And so this, if you will, is God's kind of final cry to say, Come on, my people, wake up and see me. Wake up with a, with a loud voice and wake up with this illuminated glory. Wake up. This is the final time. This is the, the final wake-up call, if you will. Uh, verse 5, For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Now, this is interesting when it says that her sins have reached to heaven. Uh, the, the obvious meaning is that God who sits in heaven has seen. He, he sees all of the, the, the sin and uh, the, the world system that has fallen. He, he sees all of this destruction that has gone on, especially spiritually. Um, but even going deeper than that, when it says these sins have reached heaven... Uh, the, the literal translation means has heaped up unto the heavens. Heaped up, placed and built one on top of another. Heaped up, built all the way to heaven. This is Babylon reaching heaven. You remember a story way back in Genesis about a place called Babel, uh, a place, the root of Babylon, if you will, and how that king had had basically, through an evil intention, and probably most likely influenced by Satan himself, decided that he could build a tower to heaven. He could build this tower to heaven, he'd get all of, all of his people united and together. In fact, the whole world was almost united and together in this, because they were all under one language. You, you probably remember that, so they had the ability to be united and to build this tower to heaven. And God decided, no, that's not, that's not what you guys need to do. This is not going to be good for the world. You can't make your own way to heaven. I've got a plan and you got to follow my plan. And so he sent down a curse upon the land and confused all the language, which is where we get the word babble. To, to babble is kind of have that confusing language confusing talk it doesn't make sense so so anyway so what a, we, we've come full circle haven't we genesis they tried to build their kingdom and their tower to heaven as if to say they don't need god they don't need his ways they don't need his ordinance they don't need his statutes they don't need his laws his commands his love his mercy his power they don't need all of that they can do it themselves they can do it on their own and god says no that's not how it works 
Um, and so now we've come full circle where before they tried to build their way to heaven, now they've heaped up sin and God says, it's reached heaven. Maybe not the way you originally intended, but it's reached me. It's heaped up. And now we've come full circle. And just as he destroyed then what was going on in their attempt to, to reach heaven, he's going to destroy again here in Revelation. The Bible has now come full circle. Verse 6, render to her just as she rendered to you and repay her double. And that word double means that the cup is full and overflowing. Um, and so he sees how she has been pouring out this wrath upon God's people on the earth, this system of Babylon, the mark of the beast. Uh, they've, not, they've been uh, persecuting God's people. Um, they've been trying to basically rid the, the world of, of Christianity by, by force, by their force, by, by prison, by death, by martyrdom, all of those things. And so now God says, hey, I've seen what you've poured out. Now, now get a load of what I'm going to pour out. Now get a glimpse of what I'm going to pour out. And I'm not just going to pour out part of the cup. I'm going to pour it out so much that it is going to overflow your weigh your system, your cup down there, I'm going to overflow that. That word double means to fill it and then overflow it. So they're going to repay her double according to her works in the cup which she has mixed. Mix double for her. In my Bible, I wrote a little note, double for her trouble, right? Um, God has mixed this up. He's got a an answer he's, he's pouring out now an answer as if to say all right enemy you gave it your best shot you did your worst now let me do mine let me step in let me handle this now and you're going to receive double for your trouble verse 7 in the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously. Here we kind of have that same uh, excessiveness in living that they thought they could be. And it, it's, it's a, it is as if they're saying, we don't need God. We don't need your heavenly treasures. We have our own earthly treasures here. Here's a problem with that. Um, you can gain a whole world and lose your soul, right? We, we read that before. We also have read that um, you know, gold and silver down here, it'll rust, it'll go away. Um, the treasures of the earth can be gone in the blink of an eye. Um, I've done a lot of funerals and I've never seen a U-Haul hooked up to a hearse. Don't put treasures here on the earth. And even though sometimes it's we get real, we get a real sense of gratification because we can see it and touch it and feel it and taste it. Um, but what, that's not what our hope is in, okay? And, and this is not a, this is not, I'm not throwing this out there to say that everybody who has any stuff or any money or any wealth or, or any financial influence or whatever the case may be, that, that they're horrible people. That, that's not what God is saying here. What God is saying is, is where is your hope? And where is your greatest treasure? And obviously, if your greatest treasure is found in God, 
and your greatest treasure is found in the heavenly things and spiritual things, then it doesn't matter what happens to your earthly stuff. You're still going to have a treasure that the enemy cannot get to, that rust cannot get to, that cannot be stole, thieves cannot steal, corruption cannot get to. Um, so God is just again reminding us, hey, put first things first. Put your treasure and make it found in heaven because you know what? Things of this world will come to an end and um, it's doing so now. And they lived luxurious in the same measure. Give her torment and sorrow, for she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, and I am no widow, and will not see sorrow. Well, every queen has to have a king. And this queen's king is basically Satan himself. And Satan has deceived, big time, this queen, this world system this harlot, uh, Satan has deceived everyone to think that, that what they have is going to be so great and so grand and what they have is, is going to be so full and so rich that they need nothing else. Kind of the same way he came to Adam and Eve and said, oh, no, no, if you eat of this apple, even though God said don't do it, if you eat of this, you'll be like him and you'll have so much more knowledge and wisdom and understanding and, and power that, that you're not even going to really need God or need to do it his ways. What a deception. What a lie. And that lie is about to be exposed. So let's read on. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day. And here we are. Being, this is going to be significant because this is basically God saying to John, this is the vision of her falling, of this world system falling, and it's going to be quick. It's going to come swiftly. All right, Death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord who judges her. Strong is the Lord is a, another way of saying that he is going to do something by force. Um, that word strong here in the original language, the original Greek language, means an intense physical power. Uh, something done by force. Um, Jesus said this, that the kingdom of heaven suffers violent, but the violent take it by force. Uh, that's a that's a whole nother spiritual principle we could tap into, but this is the fruition, completion of that, where the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of the enemy, has been forcefully overtaking the world and, and getting the Christians to be removed, getting the believers to be removed um, by force, by, by martyrdom, by death, by, by persecution, by imprisonment, imprisonment, whatever. Um, so the, it, it has played its hand of force. Now, God says, I'm about to play my hand of force. And my hand of force is going to be very, very powerful. And I'm about to open a door that no man can shut. And uh, here it comes. Verse 9, the kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her. When they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city Babylon, 
that mighty city. For in one hour, your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her. And no one buys their merchandise any more. Um, I want to come back to that in just a second, but let's read on because it's, it's a continuation of that thought. Verse 12, merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls and fine linen, purple, silk, and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron, and marble, and cinnamon, and incense, fragrant oil, and frankincense, and wine, and oil, uh, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep and horses and chariots and bodies and souls of men. Wow, it goes even down to the souls of men that will be affected. The fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you and all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you and you shall find them no more at all. Um, stop right there. We, we covered just a little bit, a little chunk there now. So let's, let's go back and chew on that just a little bit. Um, it's interesting to see that these kings who denied the deity of God and denied their need for him have now, God has allowed them to see the fall of of their great city called Babylon, the fall of their great system, and as they're watching the smoke rise. Did you catch what they said? They said that, um, said that each one will weep and mourn over her. And then it says that for in one hour, your judgment has come. Back up to verse 10. They're now acknowledging how swift and how, how mightily that this system that they have built up and taken so much work and so much time and building up and so much effort that in one hour, and that word hour is not a specific amount of time. This doesn't mean an interval of, of 60 minutes. Uh, this means swiftly that they've done all of this work and they've put all of this this treasure and hope and things of this world and in such a swift time, it's gone. It's gone like a, like a hurricane coming through and tearing down a building that you worked so hard and spent so much money to build. It's gone just like, like that, like, like such a swift power, it's swept it away. And as the smoke rises and the burning is continuing to be, they actually acknowledge your judgment has come. And then they begin to weep and mourn over it. But there's also something interesting happens, happening here because it says, and no one buys their merchandise anymore. Two ways to look at that. Number one, they can't, they're not going to buy this world system that they've been selling anymore. I'm not buying what you're selling. Um, it's not working. It's not, it, it's, it's not the God that we thought it would be. There's still a God and he's much greater and he's much higher. But it's also interesting to note that one of the things they used and one of the things they did, these kings did, 
to um, persecute believers and, and make a separation of believers uh, of God versus believers in the Antichrist and the world system was put a mark on their foreheads or hand. We call that the mark of the beast, right? And in that mark, what happened? With that mark, they could neither buy nor sell. So it's like they used this mark to, um, to, to persecute those who would not bow and worship the Antichrist and that system. Um, and when they wouldn't bow to him and, and they, they refused him and they refused the mark, then they couldn't buy or couldn't sell. And they built a kingdom on that. Well, now that kingdom and that merchandise in the kingdom, now nobody's buying. So the very thing that they tried to use to get a one up on the, the people of God and on God's kingdom, God turns around and uses to destroy them. Now nobody's buying, nobody's selling. This is quite literally a collapse, not just physically, but also financially, a collapse in the world system. Um, we read all of that 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 pre, the, that luxurious items and things. We just read through all of those things. All of those, you could you could really dive down and look at all of those things, and every one of them represents something luxurious and precious, like pearls and gold and fine linen and silks and marble, all of those kind of things. So basically, the riches that they thought they had heaped up uh, was really sin and. And God has now, he's set that on fire. He's burned all of that, and now they're watching that smoke rise up. Um, he goes on to say, verse 14 again, that the fruit of your soul, which he says even their souls in a sense have, been, have now caught on fire and is burning inside of their heart because um, all that they put their soul's hope in is gone. And so that then puts their soul then in a desperate situation. You know, um, it, this, this sort of happened in a good way whenever the disciples saw that Jesus had died and then their souls were heavy because everything that they had put their hope in, every, this, this man Jesus that they had put their hope in all of a sudden was gone and things didn't work out the way they thought because they thought that Jesus was going to build forth a physical kingdom and release Israel from um, this authority that, that the Roman authority that was over it and and as they weep and as they mourn over it all of a sudden they get an angel of light a glorious angel to tell them don't weep, don't weep, because he is not here, he is risen. So Jesus actually took then their weeping and their mourning, and because they put their hope in him, their hope, even though it went through a dark season, their hope rose. Their hope rose when Christ was risen, and as their hope would rise, then faith would rise as well. And as hope and faith would rise, they would then move forward and, and really influence the world in a, in a great way through faith and hope and love. But in this case, when you've put all of your hope in the things of the world, the world system is not going to rise again. So not only did the system fall, but their souls now 
have sunk and they have fallen. Verse 15, the merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing. Um, that's just as it sounds. It, it's uh, going to be an extremely great fall, both physically and spiritually, for them who chose not to believe. All right. Uh, verse 16, and saying, Alas, alas, the great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour such great riches came to nothing. Hear the verbiage of what they're saying, that this is coming. Everything, the whole world's rich system has come to nothing in an hour. In an hour, you know, we, we've seen the whole world be changed over the span of, well, now we're about to be in the 11th month, November. Ooh, it's kind of weird to say that, isn't it? But here we are approaching November, and so in 10 months, we, our known world has is, is, is really been changed and really been affected. And really, I guess when you go all the way back to where we really started first, first hearing the echoes of this coronavirus stuff. Um, been just about a year, you right? And um, my, what a year, right? What a change this world has gone through. And that's been in a year. So imagine what they're going to feel like when all of a sudden, like that, it's all gone. It's all changed. Everything. Everything they worked for, everything that they believed in, is gone. Because they didn't believe in the right thing. It's gone. And let's go back to verse 17. For in one hour such great riches came to nothing. Every shipmaster, all who travel by ship, sailors, and as many as trade on the sea, they all stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What? Is it like this great city? And they threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city in which all who had ships of the sea became rich by her wealth. For in one hour she was made desolate. You're getting a common theme here? I know I am, and it's pretty self-explanatory that um, all the wealth that they've built up can be gone that quickly. Um, that's why I know it sounds like a broken record, but you really got to get this lesson out of this uh, for those of us who are believers and for those of us who are really on the edge of, of really submitting to God versus trying to stay in our own ways, in the world's ways. Um, what good does it gain if you have the whole world, what good does it do if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? Thankfully, you and I, we, we have, our soul has hope rooted in the one who is risen forevermore and the one who will never, ever pass away or die, the one who reigns forever. So, if our hope and our faith and our love is found in the one that reigns forever, then our hope and our faith and our love will, will have no end. 
And that's the crescendo of our faith. That's why we can stand in a funeral service with a smile and rejoice that this is not over. This is not all there is to it. This is an earthen vessel, but we have a treasure. Second Corinthians chapter 4 says, We have a treasure in an earthen vessel that this earthen vessel is valuable because of the treasure that's inside of it. And that treasure will never go away. What good does it do to gain the whole world but lose your soul? No good. But what good does it do to gain your soul and have your whole world? Your world will never end because your world is found in Jesus Christ. That's why verse 20 says, Rejoice. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you, O holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged her. We have the ability to rejoice. What a, again, what a contrast. We, we started this chapter off with a contrast of the darkness of the world and the illumination of the angel that's coming down over that world. And now what a, we've almost come full circle even within this own chapter. We're, we're at another contrast where you got down here on the earth is this weeping, this wailing, this crying, this sadness, this, des this desperation. And, and distress and depression down here on the earth, uh, but up in heaven, what a contrast because they're rejoicing and they're worshiping and they're praising the one who has all authority and all power and is now victorious over the enemy. This is not a literal happening yet. Again, remember, this is a vision where God is telling John, this is about to come to pass. And it's important that he did that because in the last vision or the, the, the first part of this vision, hope I didn't confuse you here, but verse chapter 17 is a vision of that, that scarlet beast and, and the harlot or woman that's riding it and it becomes a world system that's very powerful. And it seems very powerful in chapter seven, uh, 17. In chapter 17, it seems almost like wow what power what what can un, what can undo this authority and power uh, but it's like God is saying okay here's the next level the next thing I want you to see I want you to see that as powerful as that was I'm more powerful God's more powerful um, so this is kind of that that icing on the cake if you will this is that that next layer that God is showing John this is about to take place, okay? Verse 21, and we're going to read through the rest of it, 21 through 24. And we'll wrap this bad boy up and you can get on with your evening, right? So verse 21 says, Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus, with violence, the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, and trumpets shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman or any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of the bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. 
and for by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and the saints and all who were slain on the earth. We have here uh, these last few verses of this chapter. Um, it is an object lesson, if you will. It's John seeing a vision of an object lesson. Excuse me there. But in this object lesson, it is him taking a great millstone. And you probably know what a millstone is. But, you know, back in in John's day, in Jesus's day, they had, uh, you know, this, this great, huge, round stone, kind of shaped like a wheel that was usually attached to uh, some kind of, uh, of lever and kind of a, a little bit of, of a crude machine attached to an ox or a, a donkey or a horse or something like that. And with, all, with that, they operated a system to, uh, that, that you'd use that heavy, heavy stone to grind the grain into a flour uh, or whatever it was that they were grinding in that day. Um, so, so this was a, a symbol of that, that grinding power that was used to grind the wheat down. God is using it as an illustration to say, I will grind down the, the works of the enemy. I will make the works of the enemy like dust, which, is, uh, which ties back to them throwing the dust the kings throwing the dust on their heads and weeping. That dust is the very thing that God has caused to be by grinding down the world system. And it's done so in such a violent act of him. It's the same act, same, same viewpoint of saying, or of seeing a big, huge stone falling into the sea and it makes a huge noise and a huge splash and a huge effect as it ripples out throughout the rest of the world. And this is that, that image that John sees here, that this is a great and powerful and forceful thing that happens. And it says that he, he does so because of this sorcery that the enemy has used to deceive the nations. That word sorcery in the original Greek is pharmakeia. It's where we get the word pharmacy. Uh, it basically means a, a type of medicine or drug or, or influence. In a, in a dark magical sense, it can mean incantations or spells or poisoning or something like that. Uh, what that really means is that basically the enemy has deceived and and even drugged, if you will, spiritually, in a spiritual sense, drugged up or poisoned um, the, the, the world into believing that they didn't need God and, and, and that he was actually uh, greater than God himself. And so God has taken all of that and he has ground, ground it down to powder. Um, as I close, I'm reminded of a kind of a weird saying that Christ said in his gospel. There was one time when he was talking with his disciples where he, he said, he makes a contrast. He says, there's going to be two types of people. And those type of people, and he says, woe to these type of people, that the rock would fall on them and be ground into powder, into dust. And the other type of people would fall 
on the rock and be broken into pieces. So he's saying he's contrasting two types of people. Two types of people that will be in the world. It will be those that will one day be judged by God Almighty in whatever sense or form or fashion. They did not, they were found they not believing in him at all, not obeying his commands, not living for him. And he says, in the end, the rock being Christ, which is what we're all judged by, right? The work of Christ. Uh, it's going to fall upon them in such a way that that judgment will grind their works, everything they'd worked for, to powder. It will be dust. It will be gone. It will be blown in the wind. Makes me want to sing that old song, Dust in the Wind, right? Um, but, but he says, but there's another group of people that will fall upon the rock and be broken into pieces. Now, at first you may look and say, well, that's kind of the same thing. No, not really. Because those who believed in Christ and, and allowed themselves to be fallen on him and their fall based and found in him, they're going to be just broken into pieces. And those pieces can be put back together. Um, when Jesus was hanging on the cross and you had those two people, one on one side, one on the other, representing kind of this same two types of people Jesus is talking about. On one side, there is a, a, a thief who is crying out to Jesus and basically blaspheming him and saying, you're not who you said you were. You're just like us. You're a common thief and a common criminal just like we are. And he's throwing curses at Jesus. And as he's throwing curses at Jesus, um, the other man on the other side, who was also a thief, um, looks at him and says, no, you don't understand. You don't know what you're talking about. And he looks at Jesus and says, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe you are the Son of God. I'm here. I'm wronged. I, I, I deserve this. You do not deserve this. And Jesus looks at him and says, this blessing that you're going to be with me. But in that also, the thief says, when you enter your kingdom, remember me. Remember me. Remember. As if one thief who was throwing curses and disbelief at Jesus, there's no hope for him. His soul, his, his, his life, his treasure is going to be ground into, ground into dust. But the other thief that did cast his life upon the rock of Jesus Christ, and it may have, he was broken. He was broken and recognizing that Christ is the only one that could remember or put the pieces of his life back together again. You know, it's like that old uh, nursery rhyme, Humpty Dumpty, and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty together again. But the king could, and the king will. If you cast your life, no matter how broken your life may seem, no matter how much you fear your life would break if you cast it upon Jesus, have no fear, because he can put that back together. He can put your life back together and make you so whole, you'll be so much better off than you ever were at the beginning. 
And I implore you and ask you to do that. And don't wait too late until the rock grinds on your ridges and it becomes powder and then it's blown in the wind and you have no hope left at all. So put your hope in this. Put your hope that Jesus knows how to put your life together that will last for an eternity and in a way where you will rejoice and have faith and hope and love forever and ever. Let's close in prayer. Father, we love you and we thank you for the hope that you give us. We thank you, God, that you are, are, are full and rich with life forevermore. And God, we put our hope in you. We put our trust in you. And yes, we put our brokenness in you, asking you, Lord, to remember us, asking you, Lord, to put our life together and build us in a way where we will last for all of eternity. I pray, God, that you would forgive me for ever putting treasure in things of this world. Uh, I thank you for every single blessing that I have, and, and I have been blessed. But I recognize that you're the giver of those blessings, that every good and every perfect gift has come down from you, our Father of lights. And I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here listening tonight that needs to fully submit to you and fully make you their number one treasure, that they would not wait another second and do so right now. Lord, I want you to be my number one treasure because that treasure will never go away. And it's in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and our Savior, we pray. Amen. Amen. Good to have you. Good to be with you. We love you. We're here for you. If you have any questions, please feel free to tag me whatever way that you can. Like this on Facebook, share it, submit it out, get it out there. We want the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to go forward and build his kingdom together. We can do this. I love you. Thank you for partnering with us and being with us. Peace out. Thank you so much for listening to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan again, and we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us. We ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out. Also, if you would rate it and comment, let us know how God has blessed you through this podcast. We love you. We thank you. Have a blessed day.